This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here today. God bless you. I'm delighted you made it out on a Sunday. Got a Bible, go with me to the fifth Psalm. Psalm 5, and you heard all the introductions that we are on prayer this week in the GPS. And so I, I think it's something we all must understand about prayer. It's not punishment, but it's a privilege. Now you have the opportunity to go before the Creator and pray. So again, we'll begin in Psalm chapter 5. So when we talk about prayer, it's a, uh, it's a step of faith that you pray to a God who's a God of his word, a God of his character, that he never changes. But it is a step of faith. So when I talk about prayer here, there's some house rules that I believe really pertain to prayer that every age you need to get a hold of. So number one is in James 4, James said, you have not because you ask not. So again, if, if I'm not even willing to go before God and pray and ask, you forfeited that already. And then right after that in James 4, he said this, and, and you have not because you ask amiss or you ask for the wrong reason or you have the wrong motive. So again, when it comes to prayer, I must ask, but wh- why am I asking? That's the first rule of the house. The second one is this, and you got to get this. This is John 16, 23. He said, you will ask the Father in my name. You'll ask the Father in Jesus' name. So oftentimes when we break these house rules or these fundamentals of prayer, we wonder why our prayers never get off the ground. So again, I am to go before Father God and ask him in the name of Jesus. The third area is Mark eleven twenty four, And whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So again, prayer is highlighted. I got to have faith. I, I got to believe that the things I ask not only are going to happen, but my prayers don't fall on deaf ears. So if you hadn't got to Psalm 5, you need to get there. But let me ask you a little question here before we begin. Is anybody in here believing God for a miracle right now? Raise your hand if you're believing God for a miracle. <laughs> well, it's pretty unanimous. Would you be against God doing that today? See, again, I believe oftentimes our miracles that God desires to do in our lives are just one prayer away. And so hang, hang on to that, okay? Hang, hang on to the thought that, that our God is a miracle-working God. Psalms 5, and this is a passage about King David, verse 1. And King David said, Give ear to my words, or hear me when I cry, or call out for help. And he said that, that my passionate prayer, my needs, my wants, would, would be expressed orally before you. And, and so when you see here, Hear my, hear my words. So David again is saying, I'm, I'm asking God. I'm pulling out my heart to God. And he goes on to say, and, and consider my meditation. And so the Lord not only considers our words, but also the inner motives of your heart. 
Not only the, the words, but the why behind their words. Is, is it heartfelt? Is it lined up with Scripture? Continue to read here with me. Verse 2. Give heed to the voice of my cry. Now listen. My king and my God. He addresses the father as my king and my God. So again, he highlights who he's praying to. For to you, I will pray. Only you have the, the divine ability to alter the, the areas of my life that need to be altered. And I love to you, my king and my God. Verse 3. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. And so David's his first act of the day was to engage to Father God in prayer. It was like the very first thing he did in the morning. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna move this a little different to help some of you because some of you are saying, Oh my gosh, I'm not a morning person. If you're a night owl, it would say, and, and the things I do late at night, I engage in you, Father God, okay? The point wasn't whether it was in the morning or the evening or whenever you pray. The point was, I got to pray. And it goes along with the song we sang. I got to make room for you, God. I got to make room for you in the den of my heart. There's some things in my heart that got to move out so I can make room for you. He goes on and say, in the morning, I will direct it to you. I, I lay out my request, and it's almost like he's saying, I'm, I'm coming to the altar to offer the sacrifices of my prayer. The very first thing I do in the morning, I want to come before you, Father God, and, and lay out the pieces of my heart upon the altar. Verse 3 at the end. And I will look up. And I will look up. That statement, I will look up, literally means I'm going to wait for the answer to my prayers. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to give up on my prayers. And, and so you see the fervency of David's prayer because there was no plan B. There was no other option that, Father God, I... I'm going to pray, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to look up. And it's like he's saying here, I'm a watchman on a watchtower. I know my God's going to move. Now, that statement there, I'm going to look up, you're going to hear that several times today. And so David's answer was not in calling upon prayer, or better yet, David's faith was not in prayer, but David's faith was in the God who answers prayer. And whether you realize this or not, your prayers have significance. That the actions that God wants to do on this earth are contingent on your prayers. James 5. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Don't think your prayers don't matter. Your prayers get the attention of heaven. Now, go with me to your left to 2 Chronicles 7. Uh, the Samuels, the Kings, and then the 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 
Again, when it comes to prayer, I don't look at the size of my problems. I look at the size of my God. And the, the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, 7, 17, he said, nothing's too hard for you. Nothing's too difficult for you. Now, as we come here to 2 Chronicles 7, I'm going to get to a verse that's very familiar. Once we get there, you'll say, I've seen that before. This was King David's son, Solomon. He's now in charge. And Solomon is running into opposition. Stuff is happening in the nation of Israel over and over. If you would go back and read some of the chapters coming to, to chapter 7, uh, anytime God would cut off their rain, their source of water, it was always because of rebellion in their life. So you'll see he quit raining on their land and the locusts came to devour their crops. Most of that was hinged upon their disobedience and their rebellion to God. So we have this thought, uh, obedience to God is optional. It's not optional, okay? Second Chronicles 7, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying. Now, when I, I look at this in other translations, he was on his knees at the altar with his hands spread toward heaven, just like this, I believe. And when he had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So he's at the altar at church and he's praying and he's pouring out his sacrifice of prayer to God. Same chapter, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. I have heard your prayer. Now the problem with that statement is we don't know how long it was between the time he prayed until God heard, whether it was a day, a week, months, or even years. So throughout this morning, I, I pray this gets in your heart, a thing called persevering in prayer. Persistence in prayer. And the reason I highlight this, how many times in your life and my life that when prayer didn't be answered immediately, did I quit? Did I give up? Did I stop praying? Did I abort the prayer? You didn't hear me, Father God. But I hold fast. Verse 1, he prayed, and in verse 12 it said, And God said, I heard. And he goes on to say, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a, as a house of sacrifices. That prayer is going to cost you something. That's what a sacrifice is. But every sacrifice is based on preference. That Lord, I, I got to make room for you, Father God. I got to find the time on a daily basis to go before you. Verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the line and send pestilence, among my people. Now here it is. 
a result of their disobedience, their rebellion, and their lack of true repentance. Again, there was no rain. And the locusts came to devour their crops to eat up what they had. And it's interesting that he said upon my people. Again, the consequences of sin. But every time there's consequences of sin, we got a God who has a remedy. And so what God's going to do here in verse 14, he's going to lay out the stipulations for my people to be blessed. Verse 14. If, and you may circle the word if because the word if always means there's a choice. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Will humble themselves. One translation says with humble themselves that you would omit your sin and your rebellion. Part of the other, the, the other thoughts off of humble yourself would be the area of even a fast. But I believe when we humble ourselves, it's saying, Father God, I, I want a deeper commitment with you. I, I want more of you. Is there anybody in here that says, man, that's me. I want more of God. I, I hunger for more of God. So he said, my people who are called by name will humble themselves. First Peter 5, 5, Peter said this, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He doesn't resist the sinner, but he does resist the proud, the arrogant, the ones who act like, I don't need you, Father God. So when he says, my people who will humble themselves, watch the ands in between here, A-N-D, and, Okay. And pray. The people who literally humble themselves are people that learn to pray. So when I look at prayer right here, it's if we have a 911 access to Father God, a, a hotline called prayer. But when I, I have this direct hotline and I fail to ask or pray, I forfeit that incredible blessing. And I believe a lot of times prayer has, has intimidated people. That we have this thought, I gotta have these big religious, these big spiritual words. That's so far from the truth. That God loves my childlike thoughts and my childlike words. And when I think about prayer, it'd be like me coming off here and looking at glory and just telling her my, my heart and my needs. And that's why God says, God says, Come on and sit on my lap and just tell me. Tell me. It's not this religious phrase. But I can tell you this with prayer. There's always a starting point where you got to get in your heart. Man, I, I want to be a man or a woman of prayer. I want to just hang out and, and share you with my heart to you, Father God. So he says, and pray. And seek my face. Come into my presence. Get at the altar. Take time again. When he says to seek my face, I got to make room for you, Lord. I, I want to know you in an intimate way. I, I, I want to know you like the prophets of old. 
I want to know you like the Jeremiah, the Hezekiah, the Zephaniah. I want to know you like the Obadiah. I want to know you, Lord, in an intimate way. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And the word turn from their wicked ways, it means to stop. It means to quit. It, it means to do a 180. My people who are called by my name. So I think about modern movements within the church right now. And oftentimes what I see as a pastor is people, they jump from church to church to church. And I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at anyone, okay? And they go from prayer line to prayer line to prayer line. And it's like any time a man or a woman of God comes into our city, man, they're off to the next meeting and off to the next meeting. But there's never any consideration of heartfelt repentance. There's never any sorrow or grief over my, my sin. And he said, my people, if you'll turn from your wicked ways. So again, there's consequences for my sin, but God always gives a remedy to confess my sin. Again, obedience is not optional. If you want to be powerful in prayer, then live by the word of God. Live by the word. Now, watch what he says to my people. Then, then. Woo, you want to catch something in verse 14? Two incredible words. If and then. If I humble myself and I obey what he said, then and only then. Will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin? And so he tells me right there, one of the big issues within my people is your sin. And he says, then I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I will bring healing to a nation. I will bring healing to a city. I'll bring healing to a, a home, to an individual. If they'll just obey my word. And one of the ingredients there was to pray. Now look what he says in verse 15. Now, woo, there's some words. You gotta get a hold of the words. He said, if, then, and now. And those are powerful. You guys should be doing cartwheels. If, then, and now. We're in the now. And look what he says. Now, from now on, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that's made in this place. And we serve a God that loves to answer prayers. We serve a God that loves to heal, that loves to restore. But there's no shortcuts. I got to do it God's way. And he gives me incredible, incredible instruction right here. Go with me in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And as I'm turning there. I can't live however I want and expect God to bless and answer my prayers. Well, you know what? I, I, I think God should answer anything I ask in that. See, I, I, I love grace. The grace of God's incredible, okay? 
But God's grace didn't give me a license to sin. God's grace doesn't give me a license to live however I want and then expect God to bless it. It's never what it meant. And so again, God is, God is looking for a people. My people. I love that my people who are called by his name will humble and pray and seek his face. Turn from their wicked ways and he'll heal our land. Now, here we are in Matthew 26. This is the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to highlight something in this scripture because what you're going to begin to see is the garment of perseverance. The garment of, of persistence. And I pray this gets on every one of us. This puts in me and you a, a bulldog prayer mentality. You know what a bulldog prayer mentality I'm not letting go. You, bite down, you don't let go of it, okay? Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means the oil press. Most mean, I believe this was an, of an olive orchard. So the press was where they would literally take the olives and squeeze it. This signifies the time in the Lord Jesus' life. He was in a place of incredible sorrow, incredible pressure, and incredible squeezing. Are any of you in here right now in a place where your life seems like it's being squeezed? We can learn from this. Called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and I pray over there. So the first thing that I see here is Jesus is in a time of pressure squeezing and he says, I gotta pray. The oil press. When you study the, the, the symbolics of oil in the New Testament, it's always in reference to the Holy Spirit. Woo, I, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your anointing upon my life. I need your touch upon my life. Now just think about this with oil. An oil to your engine is a lubrication. It keeps your, your engine functioning right smoothly where there is no friction. So if Jesus needed the oil of the Holy Spirit, what about me and you? Now I'm just dabbling in that. Probably within the next month, I'm going to really talk some things on the Holy Spirit, okay? Breathe, all right? It's okay. It's okay. The Holy Spirit is good. I'm going to show you biblically so he didn't twist you, all right? Verse 37. And Jesus took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, who was James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Not a little bit, but deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And so you know what he says? My, my soul is so grieved that it's to the point of death. Now this is all in reference to the upcoming events leading to his crucifixion. He knows what's on the verge of happening. So what does he do? Verse 39. Jesus went a little farther and he fell on his face and he said praying, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as, as I will, but as you will. So I want you to think, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior Jesus, he gets on his face. 
and he prays. And in a time of incredible distress, the Lord Jesus gets on his face and he prays. So what does that speak to me and you? Man, when I'm, when I'm in incredible sorrow and, and I'm being squeezed by life, get on your knees and pray. And know what he prayed. Father God, your will be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. An incredible reference to the condition of his heart. So you know what? When you pray, your will be done. You know what you're saying? I'm humble, Lord. You know best, Father God. I pray your will be done in my life. Now this is the blueprint that Jesus gives us. Verse 40. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me and pray one hour? You know what he's saying? Do you not have the strength and the discipline to hang in there one hour? Verse 41. Watch this. Watch. Watch. Be vigilant. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be watchful. Be vigilant because your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour So guess what he said? The Lord Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. What a novel idea. Watch and pray. Lest you enter or fall into temptation. So guess what the Lord Jesus just told us? Man, when you're battling temptation, when it seems like life is squeezing you, everything caving in on you, watch and pray. Father God, grace me. Grace me to watch and pray. I highlight that because I know many of you are in incredible battles right now. And the reason I know that is because in our world, there's an increase of troubles. There's an increase of difficulties. There's an an increase in uncertainties. And so what you begin to see happen, it's taken a heavy mental and emotional toll on people. I see it every day. You see it every day. So what was the answer? Watch and pray. Grace me, Lord. Watch and pray. So I don't fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but my flesh is weak. Verse 42. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. The second time. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. Verse 44, so Jesus left them, went away, and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Prayer is what sustained the Lord Jesus in the greatest difficulty of his life. But not only prayer, persistent prayer. A prayer that says, I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to give up on my prayers. So we see something incredible through the Lord Jesus. The significance of prayer in your life and my life. When I actually do it. See, when we talk about prayer, I I want to ask people when they say, well, I'm praying for you. Well, what are you praying? Do do we just use that as as a term? Or do we actually do it? I, I hear that all the time. I'm praying for you. And you know what? There's times I really, really, really want to stop and say, tell me what you're praying for me. 
Well, it's just a term of speech. I saw a weatherman the other day said, we're, we're praying for you. And I thought, you're not praying for nobody. Why do you say that? Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, as you're turning to 1 Kings, you'll go, uh, let's see here, the Samuels and then the Kings in between the Chronicles. 1 Kings 18. As you're turning here, this is a passage about a man of God named Elijah. And in Elijah's time, it was bad. And so through scriptures, we find out that it hadn't rained on the land for three years. Three years. We pick up in 1 Kings 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Hadn't rained for three years. Saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now the Lord said, go, go tell this ungodly king named Ahab, it's getting ready to rain. Now, if you'll note, this was a promise from God. God said, go tell him this. Same chapter, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance and rain. Now he tells Ahab, go up and eat and drink. It doesn't say that Elijah went to eat and drink, but he tells Ahab, listen, go, go through the drive up at McDonald's and get you something to eat and drink. So what, what does Elijah do after he tells Ahab this? Verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Ooh, now listen to me real close. Even though God had promised his provision to Elijah, we are never to stop praying for his fulfillment. Just because you find promises in the word of God doesn't mean I can stop at four bucks and get me a latte and kick back and do nothing and have the thought, well, God said God said he's going to send rain on the land. So you know what I can do? I just sit here and drink my latte on my blessed assurance and everything's going to be fine. So I see two things off of that. Get your prayers in agreement with the word of God. And number two, note his posture in prayer. It was similar to the Lord Jesus that I believe to a certain degree he was on his knees, but it said he, he had his head between his legs. I'm not that limble anymore, okay? So I'm not going to try that, or some of you may have to adjust me. You see something here? Stay with the Word of God. Come into agreement with the Word of God and say, Ooh, Father God, I thank you. You said you're going to send rain on our land. Verse 42 or 3. And Elijah said to a servant, Go up now and look. Now, remember in, in uh, Psalm 5-3 when we used the word, David said, I will look up. Notice what he said to the servant. Go up now, here's now again, and look toward the sea. 
So the little servant boy, he went up and he looked and said, there's nothing. A couple of years ago, I'm at Mount Carmel right there. When, when you think of Israel, remember that in the nation of Israel, the Dead Sea is the lowest point elevation in the world. So when you look at Mount Carmel, it, it literally only goes over about 1,700 feet in altitude. So he tells this little messenger boy, he said, go up and look toward the sea. So if, if you were to look back in more of a southern direction, a southwest direction, you could see that the Mediterranean Sea. So his little servant boy, he, he goes up there and he looks and he looks and he comes back and he says, I don't see nothing. And Elijah's still in his position of prayer. He's still praying. He said, go again. Go again. And Elijah's little servant comes back and said, I don't see nothing. Man, you pray the little servant boy ate his Wheaties that day. Because, man, he's going up and down. He's up, you better get your protein shake. Why do I say that? Seven times he said, go again. Go again. Go again. And you know what I see off the seven times? His persistence. His persistence was based off the word of God. God had said, I want to send rain. But are you willing to pray for it until it happens? So if you've ever studied some of the, the men and women of faith, the old timers, they would use this term, we're going to pray through. We're not going to stop until we see it through. And I believe this within the body. This is what we need. We need some folks that says, I'm going to pray through. I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray until I see it through. And so the seventh time, look what he said. He said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. In comparison, in comparison to the sea, his hand? I mean, there's some of you in the balcony that you could probably very well, very, not very easily see my hand. But you know what? That's all Elijah needed. That's all he needed. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. What you see here is a fourth area that's big. You gotta pray by faith. When he told Ahab, you better get your rambella. You better get your rain boots. You better get ready. It's getting ready to rain. There hadn't been a sprinkle. There had not been one sprinkle. So do you see what? This was a guy who said, my God said it's going to rain. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to pray and I'm going to persist until it rains. And so he's so fired up because he knows his father. He's got a relationship with his father that he says, go tell Ahab the Arab, hook up your chariot. Verse 45. Then it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds, just like here in West Texas. And the wind, and there was heavy rain. I, I, I bet Elijah was skipping around saying, I told you, I told you, it's my God. That's my. See, the only time you walk in a miracle is when you expect a miracle. 
If I don't expect a miracle, guess what? It's not going to happen. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now, get this picture. Ahab hooks up the chariot. You know what that means? He's got some horses or camels, or at least he got some donkeys. And it said he rode away. Verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, that same hand that was in the Mediterranean Sea. And he girded up his loins. You know what this means? His robe was hanging down, so he pulled his robe up, tucked him underneath. You know why? I gotta run. I gotta run. Some of you need to pull up your gir- or gird up your loins today. And he girded up his loin and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ahab's cruising along. He's beginning to rain. He's on his chariot. He's cruising along. And all of a sudden, this man of God comes running by. I don't know about you. I get my attention. I got a, I got a horse and this guy's coming around. And what I find out about this that the minimum it was was six miles. Some translations say it was almost up to 25 miles. And this was a man of faith. This was a man that I really wonder when he ran by Ahab, did he say, I told you, I told you. When the man of God begins to pray, things begin to happen. And not in an arrogance way, but more of a boastful way to say, that's my God. That's my, remember, when my people, when my people pray, you're his people, we're his people. Something happens when the people of God start praying. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. One last scripture, I promise. One last scripture. Matthew 7. I'm not going to look at my watch because when a preacher looks at a watch, that means absolutely nothing. This has become one of my most favorite passages of scripture in my life. It's just come alive to me. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The Lord Jesus said this. Now the Greek imperatives here on the word ask, seek, and knock literally means present tense suggesting continued petition. The New Living Translation says it this way, keep on asking and you'll receive. Keep on, keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. So there's a thing called persistence here. Faith, focus, and follow through. Now I'm gonna make it real easy on you today. The, the, the acronym for the word PUSH is pray until something happens. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. See what I showed over and over today. Man, the Lord Jesus just kept praying three times, just in that one setting. And Elijah said, You know what? If it takes seven times, I'm going to pray. If it takes 77, I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep looking to God. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. And as you stand up here, here's some thoughts for you. Are there prayers in your life that you've given up on? 
we, we serve a God who's notorious for resurrection. And I believe something can happen today that your prayers come back alive today. You may go before God and, 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 and tell him, Father God, I'm sorry for, for giving up. I'm sorry for quitting because my God's not a quitter. Lord, Lord, re, rebirth within me those, those hearts of prayer. And for many of us in here, you need a fresh oil. Some of you need an oil change. Some of you about a quart low of synthetic. I need your oil. Lord, I need the touch of heaven upon my life. And I guarantee every one of us in here need a garment or a robe of persistence. Where I say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to dance like MC Hammer used to do. He'd say, we got to pray just to make it today. I say, we pray. Pastor, you're too white to be doing that. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I need, I need a little color. My heart is right. I just don't have no rhythm. My heart is real right. I, I just sense God wanting to move in our lives today. Do you need to make room for him? You know, on that statement right there to make room for him. There's only one way you can become the people of God, my people. And that's when you give your heart to Jesus. And when you give your heart to Jesus, you become part of the family of God. That's every nation of every tribe of every tongue. And if you're here today and you say, man, I got to make room for Jesus. I just want you to boldly just get out of your, your, your seat right there and walk down and say, I, I need Jesus today. Or you may say, I, I've pushed him out. I, I welcome you back in. Is that anybody in here today? I would say, come on, come on, come on, love, come back alive. Come in me, Lord. If that's you today, come on down. You make room for King Jesus. Come on, sir. Come on, let's clap. Come on. Come on, Alex. Come on. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Making room for Jesus. Come on, darling. Come on. Come on, buddy. Yeah, come on down here. Come on. You can, you can jump up here. I'm not going to bite you. I promise. I may cry on you. Come on, daughter. Come on. We're going to say, come on. Come on, man. Their kid's still coming. Woo. Let, let, me, let me just share this with every one of you who are down here. Sometimes they, they come on, come on. Keep coming, come on. So, sometimes the, the devil tries to guilt us and shame us and say, you're, you're not worthy to be down there. But I can tell you something, you are. And you know why you're worthy? It's because Jesus died for you specifically. 
And in Psalm 139, the, the psalmist said this, that, that my God, he wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. And, and, and his thoughts toward you are good and not evil and to give you a future. And so something happens when you give your heart to Jesus. So if you're, if you're here with our prayer team today, I know we got so many. I, I welcome any of our prayer team down here to just to pray with these ones, just to touch them, lay hands on you, okay? Now here's what's gonna happen today. You, you're gonna have to pray this, okay? You're gonna have to say this, and not, not only are you gonna say this orally out of your mouth, but again, it becomes the meditation of my heart. This is from my heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, you'll believe with your heart and you'll speak with your mouth. CJ, come come over here with, okay, here she comes. Come, come on over here, CJ, come over here with Alex, come on. You're all right, any of you. There's a lot of people here. Listen, everybody who's down here, speak this with me. Say this from your heart. Say, dear Heavenly Father, telling, calling Father, I, I come before you today, and, and I've sinned, and I've rebelled, and I've disobeyed you. And today I, I, I repent. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to become Lord of my life. Now, Lord Jesus, I pray your grace upon me that I become a man or woman of God that you grace me to live for you all the days of my life. And I thank you according to Romans 10, 9, and 10. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And come on, let's, let's clap because Jesus is saved. get excited about coming to church when this happens you probably need to get born again now on these lines I'm, I'm telling you God, God's moving God is moving here's what we're going to do as our team gets ready to sing every one of us in here we have errors in our life but we need to make room for God to move and that may mean say Lord move move out social media but move out my time on TV some things aren't sinful they're just not the best and, and Lord move in me a heart to pray move it stir back up with me a, a persistence to pray I don't know about you I, I want to go in 2021 with a garment of per persistence I want a garment of perseverance I want a garment that says when all hell breaks loose they pray when it's good they pray not good they pray and again your prayers are significant that God's actions here on this earth are contingent to your prayers so I'm going to have them sing here okay I welcome you come to the altars to say fresh oil Lord fresh oil go ahead God thank you for listening today for more information please visit faithchurchlubbock.com